The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. It was an unbelievable request, really. I mean, you just don't do things like this. And a son went to his father and told him he didn't want to wait around for his dad to die. He'd like his inheritance now. He's basically saying, Dad, I, I wish you were dead already, but since you're not, can we pretend like you are? Can we pretend like you're dead and I want my share of the estate? I mean, who does this? And I mean, think about the request that came at this time in the culture and society in which they lived. This, this is even more difficult request. It's not like the son's asking for the father to make a, like an electronic funds transfer from his IRA to the son's Bitcoin wallet, right? This is an agrarian society. This meant they were going to have to sell farmland. They were going to have to auction off herds. Who would ask such a thing? But can you imagine this? The father did it. Auctioned off farmland and herds, divided his estate in half, and gave it to this young man who took his father's money and left. He wanted to get as far away from his father as he could. He just didn't want to be very far away from his father's money. That young man wanted his father dead, and then he acted like he already was off to some distant land, getting as far away from his father as he could. Now, when you heard that story, I don't think anybody's surprised that this young man wasted all the money. I mean, if someone is, is so self-centered, so, so selfish as to make this outlandish request, well, it's not really that big of a surprise that they would be someone without a lot of financial sound judgment, right? Not a big surprise that they might go ahead and waste it all. The cash burn doesn't surprise me when I read this story. Um, what surprises me, though, is the father here. What father in the world would ever have agreed to that? What father would let his son treat him like that? And maybe the bigger question is, Jesus said he was telling this story to teach us about the kingdom of heaven about the way God interacts with his people. Now, what in the world could Jesus possibly want us to learn from two people, two men who both acted in ways that just, I don't know, they defy ever do? And instead, he had hit rock bottom. Feed pigs that no good pig food. <laughs> so, it was his father when he gave him half of the estate, something he didn't deserve. And here, in his new life of freedom, no one would even give him pig food. Sometimes we come to a shocking realization that freedom from our father is no freedom at all. He'd overlooked every bit of goodness in the home he'd left in his desire to be free. It was finally there, at rock bottom, staring at pig food, that he realized what he'd done. He realized what he'd left, and he thought, maybe I can go home. 
But you know, he, uh, he knew what he'd done. You know, when he came up with a plan uh, to go back to his father, the first of the three-part plan was to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He recognized what he'd done to that relationship. He recognized he was the one who had caused this breach. He was the one, and it wasn't just that he was sinning against other people, he was sinning against God with this. He, he recognized it. And, you know, here's the thing. That's where we all need to be to recognize that when we turn our back on our Heavenly Father, whether that's by prioritizing things he tells us not to, not to prioritize, when, he, when we choose that we want to live this way, even though he says we shouldn't, but it's what I want. It's how I want to feel. We're, we're not just sinning against the people around us. I think we're good. And when we do that, we're not just sinning against the people around us. We're sinning against our Heavenly Father. And what we've done is we, we break this relationship with Him because of our own self-centeredness, right? And this, this young man understood that. And he understood that the only thing he could possibly hope for would maybe be mercy. So mercy is when you uh, don't get what you deserve, right? What did he deserve from his father? Probably deserved a, a lot of things that he didn't want. But he, he came up with a plan. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to say three things. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son because I completely ruined that. Just make me like one of your higher servants. He recognized that he had completely shattered the relationship and there's no way that relationship could be restored, restored not after what he'd done. So he, his plan was to plead for mercy. Don't give me what I deserve. Maybe, maybe just treat me not like your child, but treat me like someone you'd hire, because even that would be better than where I'm at now. You know, sometimes we can feel that way when we recognize our sin. All we can hope for from God is mercy. God, please don't, please don't punish me for this. Please, please don't let you know, me get hit by the karma truck because I've done bad things. But you know, Jesus told us this story because you and I, when we return to our Heavenly Father, just hoping for mercy, we are woefully undershooting expectations. See, because Jesus told this story, and it's a story that's not about mercy, which is where we don't get what we deserve. This is a story that's about grace, which is getting what we don't. This is what happened. So the young man sets out from the distant country. He's going to go back to his father with his three-point plan, hope for mercy. Verse 20 says, While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He was watching. He saw him from a long way off and said, That's my son. Talk about surprising that the father would be waiting for this son to come home? I mean, a father who'd been wished dead by his son, he was watching and waiting. And even more than that, I mean, the father who should have welcomed him with a cold shoulder, it says he ran. He ran to meet him. 
Now, I don't know about you. You see the father who wished you were dead, spots you from a long ways off, and he's running towards you. You could be forgiven for thinking this is not going to end well, right? The few times I remember my dad running after me, it did not end well because there was a reckoning that was coming and it was well-deserved, right? What would you have said when you meet this son on the road? Might you have had some choice words? The son who pretended like you're dead made you auction off farmland and then went and wasted it all in wild living. What might you say? Maybe, maybe, like a lot of parents, we would still have a soft spot in our heart for a very, very disobedient child. But I gotta think that even if you had that, you might have some reservations about this child who hurts you like that. Now he wants to come home. I don't know, what, what plan might you have put together? Maybe, uh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe the barn seems like a good place for you to live for a few months. We'll see how it goes. See if you're still uh, so turned in on yourself. Well, maybe we'll get you a place on the neighbor's farm. You can work for him and I'll tempted to say, well, you wanted me dead. You treated me like you were dead, so probably come up with a rationale for saying any of those things. What's your father acted? And this is when you talk about the way in which we we turn our back on our Heavenly Father or choose our own way or, or don't want to be restricted by what God planned, but why hopefully maybe God will just allow us to come back into his life a little bit. I'm not going to be your child anymore, but treat me like a servant. Just have mercy on me. Point plan, right? Hired slave. He gets out of the talk. Doesn't he? Probably. Everything this father, right? Restored to a pen his finger. A true son. A slave to no one. Says this is. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he died for every one of our sins so that he could, like the, this father, kiss us with forgiveness and wrap us in a robe that restores our dignity so you could put a ring on our finger to show everyone that we are true sons and daughters of our heavenly father. He throws a feast because he's not ashamed of you and me. He wants everyone to know these, these are mine. That only is possible because, because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. It allows God to offer forgiveness that is, well, it's prodigal. You know, this story was always called the, the story of the prodigal son in, in kind of older versions of the Bible. Prodigal is a word now that probably isn't used very often, but if you look up the word prodigal in the Bible or in the dictionary, it'll tell you uh, someone who recklessly spends money. That definition actually comes from this story uh, because he went and recklessly spent his father's money. But you know, the word prodigal didn't used to mean that. It doesn't have to just mean recklessly spending money. The word prodigal by itself just means lavishly giving. So like you could even, you can use that word about desserts. Like I had a piece of pie that just had a prodigal amount of whipped cream on it. Right? It just means a lavish amount. That's what the word prodigal means, right? Now, yes, this young man lavishly spent his father's money. There's a prodigal son. But really, you could call this parable the prodigal father. Because this was a father who lavished gifts onto his son. First half of an estate. 
but more so now, he lavished him with forgiveness. He lavished him with restoration and dignity. He lavished him with community and family. Talk about a prodigal father. See, brothers and sisters, the point Jesus is making is that you and I, we have a prodigal God. A God who lavishes grace and mercy on us so that this family that we're a part of, it's a family that's built completely on forgiveness. But that brings up a really important aspect, maybe something for us to take home this week. We have a prodigal God who's brought us into a family based on forgiveness. Then the important point for us to remember is, well, because we are a forgiven family, that means we are a forgiving family. Right? Prodigal God has prodigal children. He wants us to be just as lavish with our forgiveness as our Heavenly Father is with His. So who is it you need to forgive today? What uh, hurts from the past are you harboring in your heart? What are the, the grudges you'll still carry around? You know what? The sad truth is that people are going to hurt you sometimes. People outside your family and sometimes even people inside your family. When you're surrounded by broken people, the truth is that sometimes they're going to disappoint you or anger you. But God reminds you today that he is a prodigal God who forgave you for so much Now he calls on you to be just as prodigal with the people around you. You know what? They probably don't deserve to be forgiven. You might be right. You know what? You might be absolutely correct that the reason that you're harboring this hurt and harboring this grudge is because they wounded you. You might be right. Jesus today, though, showed a father who, though wounded and had every reason to withhold forgiveness, lavished it on a son who deserved none. He says, we have a prodigal God who wants us to be prodigal children. You know, forgiveness, the forgiveness that God gives us is is a release, a freedom from the prison of our past. When God forgives you, he says, you no longer have to stay in the prison of your past disappointments, your past failures. He says, I've forgiven your wickedness and I can remember your sin no more. That is the sound of a prison door swinging open. That God lets you walk free from your time at the pig pen. Now God invites you to open that prison door for the people around you. Not because they deserve it. They probably don't. But neither did we. We're a family built on forgiveness. And forgiven people, we forgive lavishly like a prodigal. God grant it. Amen.